Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch is joined by Nicole Chiramonte, CEO of TWG Consulting Group and founder of Synergy Metastetics. Hello, everybody. This is Alex Tiersch, CEO of AmSpa, and welcome to another edition of Medical Spa Insider, which is probably the best podcast in the world, um, especially today, because we are very lucky to have our good friend and AmSpa family member, Nicole Chiramonte. Uh, is it Chiramonte or Chiramonte? Well, I always get your name wrong, but um, you say it better than me. So why don't you just go ahead and say your name so that everyone knows exactly who you are, Nicole. Nicole Chiramonte. That's perfectly fine. I think at one point you told me I needed to start saying Chiramonte, but yes. that's a little much. <laughs> I, think, and I, I think as a result of that, that's kind of what I say because I'm trying to be all fancy, but... What you said was much, much better. Um, Nicole is, is, has been a part of AmSpa for a long time. She's um, a, a MedSpa investor. She is the CEO of TWG Consulting Group, the founder of Synergy Metastetics. You've, you own and invest in uh, MedSpas all over the country. You've got an interest in, in more than a dozen MedSpas, and you also got 25 years plus in, in startup management and, and 15 years dealing with MSOs. So you, you know a ton about medical spas and you've been a great part of, of AmSpa. For anyone who's been to, to the medical spa show uh, will recognize you. Nicole, first of all, thank you so much for, for taking the time to join us. I know you're busy, but how are things going out in California? They're great. They, uh, you know, things are going really well. So I, I'm pleased to be here and to be talking a little bit about MSOs and some of the things that you said you wanted to cover. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm West Coast right now. I'm in Washington State. Yeah. But seven of our locations are in California, so I'm down there most of the time. So how many? Again, I ask you this every time we talk, and every time I, I forget. How many locations do you have right now? Right now, I'm at 14. Okay. Cool. So we have nine MSOs, which are managing 14 locations. And you, you've been on the, the podcast before as as a guest, and then as also in, in some of the panels that we've done. But but just give if kind of everybody just a, a, a Reader's Digest version of of kind of your history in the last five to, to seven years with with coming into the industry and and and, and investing in and acquiring these med spots because when we first met you know back in the day um, I don't think you had any you were just kind of getting to, to get in and now you're up to 14 and you've done that in a fairly short period of time like how have you done that and 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 what's the secret Yes. Well, when you and I first met via telephone, it was for a consultation. I was looking for um, a management services agreement. I did end up getting into the industry in 2012. Um, and then 2013 launched my first full scale med spa. Um, after that, the growth came from my physician partners speaking with other physicians. And what we're seeing, obviously, in, in medical is, you know, expense reimbursements or reimbursements going down significantly and independent practices having difficulty making it. So they're looking for that cash-based um, practice. And I kept having physicians call me and occasionally there was a really good fit. And, and that's really, there wasn't anything strategic about my growth. It was really meeting people who I thought were good people who had a good why and a good how in their reasoning for getting into this industry. And I would partner with them. That's awesome. And, and one of the things I have written in my notes here, um, 
one of your business philosophies is profits with integrity and profit optimization through collaboration. Which, uh, the, the profits with integrity thing I, I think is interesting. Um, and, and you mentioned, you know, that you, you meet these, these, these partners and, and if it's a good fit, um, what do you mean, number one, by profits with integrity? I mean, I think that it's it's obvious it's literal meeting, but but what does it mean to you? And then how do you find a partner who who kind of sh- who 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 fits your vision? Like, what what are some of the things that you look for? And I know I'm going totally off script here, so <laughs> but, <laughs> but this just popped into my head. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, go, go ahead. I would say when you're, we're talking about profits with integrity, I, I've never actually given it a definition um, because on face value, it is exactly that. But if I were to dive deep on that one, I'd say first thing we do is we put the patient medical care first. So patient always comes first in any decision. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I would say the patient experience because this is a discretionary, completely optional thing that we're doing in aesthetics. So their experience after their medical care is our second priority. Then I always put our employees and the staff is our third. So when making decisions regarding expenses, regarding in anything in, uh, related to business management, it's patient care, um, patient experience, and then our employee satisfaction in care because the lower your turnover and the higher satisfaction you have with your employees and your staff, just the better overall experience it is for everyone. And it's, it's good business. And then after that, you have profit. If you make all of your decisions with that structure in place, you know, you're coming to the right decision. And eventually, even though you might occasionally get some short-term losses using that strategy, you're going to have long-term gains and profitability. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So there's so many med spas out there who who are you know looking for investment money, and there's a lot of investment money out there. But I I know just from talking to folks, it's it's often tough to find that right fit. I, again, you know you 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 meet with so many people. Um, what are some of the things that you look for as an investor in a in a partner? So if someone was you know owns a med spa that maybe wants to grow, they want to grow it, they want to scale it, or they're they're not making as much money as they should. Um, but regardless the the, the relationship still has to be there. The fit has to be good. So like, what, what are, are there personality traits that you look for or is it just the numbers or what's your, what's your kind of uh, your, your process there? Oh, that's an excellent question. I'd say overall culture when I'm walking mm-hmm. in and if I'm bringing money as an investor into an existing market, I can do one of two things. I can start de novo, which is from scratch with that same amount of money, or I can invest in an existing practice that might be struggling and Mm -hmm. they might even be profitable, but they're having trouble getting to that next level. Um, So if I'm going to invest in an established practice, it's so important that culture is there that I'm not fighting against something. So I'm looking at, you know, the culture with the staff and and employees, the employee employer dynamic, the morale of the employees, as well as, um, you know, you're, you're looking to make sure that 
there's there's something that you can fix. So the other things that I'm looking at are what has been negotiated that you are stuck with? What sort of capital investments such as machines or long-term leases that are you, that you're stuck with that you cannot change? Because one of the things I'll do as an investor is go in, put money behind something and then go to work on those midline numbers, which are the expenses. And if somebody's done a poor job negotiating and and they're just their expenses are through the roof and I'm not going to be able to change that, that might cause me not to move into that. Same not to move into that practice. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the culture. If it's going to be a whole lot more difficult to turn around a toxic culture than it is just to start a beautiful one from scratch. So those are the things that I'm looking for right off the is, bat. Is that something you can see right away, like the the culture? I mean, is that or do you have to dig ever and like because you you know, employees might say what they say, but um, when you're talking to them, or can you tell right when you walk in the door or when you start talking to folks, oh yeah, they, they've got this, their act together? You know, often you can tell, but I, I've had a couple situations where they did a really good job hiding it. Everyone was on board for mm-hmm. bringing in the external investor. And then, you know, a few weeks after everything came in, the, the funds came in, the partnership was solidified. I walked in the door and then you're hit with this whole barrage of problems that were, were neatly hidden prior to. That's so you don't fun. always have a firm grasp. Um, once you're in there, you know, you're committed and you want to do your best to turn things around. But, um, but for the most part, I'd say nine times out of 10, you're going to walk in and after two or three hours in a practice, you're going to have a pretty good feel for, for what's Mm -hmm. going on. I would also recommend that when you go in as an investor for people who are trying this, that the staff not know who you are the first few times you visit the practice. Really? So what's, uh, why, like what's the, and and how do you do that? I learned this one the hard way. And so one of the things that investor or I'm sorry, owners who are looking for an investor, they will tell their staff that, okay, investment money coming in is going to help you make more money. Mm. It's going to be, you know, be the answer to all of our woes. So the goal right now is to sell this person on investing in us. And so you're going to hear you know, about rainbows and unicorns and the most incredible staff and team ever <laughs> mm-hmm. because everyone's on board for that. Uh, what I've started doing is just letting uh, the owner know that I'm, I'm going to come in and just as somebody who may be either a consultant or just someone who's looking to see how they run as a spa and not to prep them at all on who I am. And they've, I've done that a few times and they've, they've been uh, good about about that. And it's been very helpful. And I, I do let the owners know that the reason for that is I can see the team at its most, most organic. And that's going to help me be more effective when I do invest. Yeah. And I'll, I'll know the things that I need to focus in on to you know maximize profitability and make sure that everyone's getting along well. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Because if, 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 uh, if someone needs money, they're going to sell an investor who has money on whatever they can to get them to invest. Um, and that creates that, 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 that conflict. Um, what now we, we were at, uh, Emma, you were at MSS, you were a speaker at that medical spa show. Um, and we, we were, we we're chatting there. We had a, a panel or two. Um, but one of the things we were talking about, um, and it wasn't just you and you and me, I mean, there was a lot of conversation about this was just the investment activity that is, um, you know, in the industry, there were, there were so many, oh, you're such an, you got, you got calls coming in during podcasts, calls upon calls. I love it. 
<laughs> Sorry about that. It's all right. Um, um, but we were we were kind of amazed. At, I mean, there were these huge private equity funds at Medical Spa Show, just like poking around, and 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 we were both kind of like, "Well, this is just crazy." Like, what's what's going on, and what's your what's your impression of of what's happening with the industry right now? That's driving so much investment interest um, and not just you know folks like you like you're, you you've got your 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 investment strategy there's these massive massive funds that are out there too absolutely um, it's it really is astonishing and I would be I would call myself a low market investor I'm investing in practices from um, you know they, maybe they haven't even gotten to profitability to maybe three quarters of a million dollars a year in, in profitability what we were seeing in Vegas which was just amazing was literally private equity funds who t- usually send analysts down to to take a look at right. at businesses to invest in we're seeing seeing senior VPS walking down the halls and wanting to speak with a few of us uh, it's almost to the point of what I'd call a frenzy because you have all this money. And when I say money, I'm talking hundreds of millions of dollars between, you know, just a half dozen funds or so that are trying to get into the aesthetics industry, but they're looking for businesses that are scalable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that means that they're looking for people who have, you know, an infrastructure, they have a great culture, they already are at profitability that they can come in, put some money behind and just scale. Um, Unfortunately, in this industry, we don't have a lot of established businesses that have already gotten to a million and a half or two million dollars plus in EBITDA that have all of those things in place. So that's that's where I think we're seeing that that frenzy. They're they're looking for that that unicorn right now in in the industry. There's only a handful out there right now. No, it really is. It's like it 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 kind of feels like a like a feeding frenzy a little bit. Like they're just they're they're all desperate to get their hands on something. Um, and I, I think that does some good thing. I mean, well, well, actually, let me ask you this. I mean, what have you seen? You know, we, we talk a lot about valuation, you know, when, when it comes to, to selling your, your, your med spa, your practice, um, there, you know, an investor is going to come in and, and put a value on it somehow. What, what are you seeing right now? I mean, is, is right now a good time to, to try to go on the market? And, and I, I think, you know, one of the issues we have is if you're a single, location med spa it's going to be more difficult because they're looking for kind of larger ones but nevertheless like like is does this frenzy lead to higher valuations it definitely does in fact it's uh we're seeing multiples as far in discussions that are I'd say it's a bubble where we're really looking at a bubble where it used to be you'd get to 10 million EBITDA and then that's when you got your 10 times multiple. And we're right. seeing people talk about a 10 times multiple at less than that. Um, I would agree with you, the single locations that are, they might be profitable, but um, let's see, sorry, people calling through here. Um, see no, people, you're making uh, deals. I mean, it's just, you're busy. You're busy. I like it. <laughs> um so they are they're they're profitable, but something that happens is you can get to easily get to um, three hundred. I would say three hundred thousand to even a million dollars in EBITDA profits, and and you can do that by putting out fires and running around and you know juggling lots of balls and having a bad culture just from sheer force of will. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons they're looking at either multiple locations already to show that you've learned how to scale even on a micro level, or they're looking for something that is 
built and run so beautifully, they know they can scale. But uh, overall, yes, I'd say there's a bit of a bubble. So if you are running a uh, a med spa that's highly profitable and has a really good internal structure and you were planning on exiting in three to five years, you might want to consider that now. Mm. It's, it's um, just because what you were trying to build to get to in three to five years in the way of evaluation that you might actually achieve that right now. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't, and I don't know, you know, it, it, how much you can answer this, but what's, what is, I mean, what's driving this frenzy? Is, is it just, is it the money? And, and, and I've got kind of my own views on this, but I would love to, 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 to hear from you. I mean, there's, there's just, you know, the frenzy and the valuations are such, and, and by the way, for those of you who are listening, um, who maybe aren't familiar with, with, you know, investing and selling when she says, you know, 10, you say 10 times, um, EBITDA, you're talking basically 10 times your, your kind of operating profit, 10 times your profit, um, which is, insane for like a business valuation. And so what, what businesses will do is they'll give us some sort of evaluation between whatever, two and 10, and then they multiply your profitability basically. And that's how they come with your value valuation. Um, what, um, but what's the, what's behind this? Like, like why are these, why is this frenzy going on right now? I think right now the aesthetics market has proven that it's a strong, sustainable growth market. I mean, it's just, we've got, it's a perfect storm. Uh, we're outpacing all of our projections. Uh, we see predictable, dependable growth. We see that the cultural norms are developing in a way that actually enhances demand, you know, through reality TV and social media and all that, Zoom calls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all of that is really enhancing all the demand in the, in this industry for services. So they see that it's a good long-term investment. And if it's run correctly, which a lot of medical practices are not, and they obviously private equity knows the business end of things. So they look at something and they can see by some minor business adjustments, they can make it highly profitable. Mm-hmm. Even if the the entity itself is, doesn't have a super high margin, if they know that they can get in there and make those margins more healthy in combination with the growth of the industry, it's just, like, like I said, a beautiful, perfect storm for them. Yeah, I, you know, I think that that's an excellent point. The and, and in many ways, the the pandemic was a proving ground, right? So, it, you know, we had the this this issue with the you know med spas shutting down, but yet we've come out and now we're we're just you know people are killing it. Um, I, I one thing I see, and I wonder if 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 you've seen this too. There's there's a lot of these med spa owners who've been at it for five, six years, like this, it's a hard business to run. Like it's, 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 it's taxing and it it takes a lot of effort. And I feel like there's a lot of folks who are kind of ready to take a step back and, and they've built their business. But my, my, my question is number one is, 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 do you sense that also, um, do do, do you sense a lot of folks who are kind of ready to, to, to maybe make that sale, but then the, or to take a step back. But then I guess the, the, the corollary to that is if these, a lot of these buyers are out there only looking for the, the chains, the multiple locations, and you're not there, like, how do, how do you do that? Like, how do you, if you are looking for maybe, I want to take a step back. How do you do that if you don't have five locations? If you are somebody who has a location and you're ready to not have to run the day to day, I think there's there's a few different places that you can go. Private, if you're beautifully structured and you have a case for um, for having someone come in and acquire you to scale you, if you've just created this from the ground up, 
in, in such a way that they can just take it and go with it, then, then go that direction. But keep in mind, they're going to want you to continue to run it for a few years. I think right. that's one thing for those who are thinking about exiting. You want to do that a few years before you know you want to be completely done. Mm-hmm. Um, the other option is to find somebody else who has a similar business to you and you can sell some of the equity or roll your equity into a larger um, larger business that combines all of the entities together. And then at that point, you and maybe one or two other med spas, they all need to look alike. They need to run alike. You can, you can maximize and optimize the operations. And even if they're different... Um, I'd say even if they're different brands, but you can, if you're wanting to just exit and not have to deal with the day-to-day, that's a way for you to, to go ahead and hand off your business, but not lose value or, or undervalue what it can be, especially if you're handing it off to somebody who can then run it, optimize it, and then turn around and sell it at a high multiple, a much higher multiple than you would normally get on your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a really good way to make sure that you're getting chip, a little bit of chips off the table on the front end and a lot more on the back end without leaving too much money on the table. So it's 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 literally finding kind of like-minded individuals and then almost combining or, or, or make, you know, so you're taking your individual med spa and you're partnering with somebody else or two other people. So you've now got three or four locations and then it gets acquired. You get some money off the table, but then they ramp it up and make it better. And you get a lot more later. Is that, that kind of the, exactly. That's exactly it. And what are there? And I'm honestly just curious. Are there are there individual buyers like someone who says, "I just want to, you know, I want one med spa. I want to own one or two med spas. I don't want to do it myself. I want to buy something that's already out there." Um, like, is that an option for folks too? I think there are people out there that are wanting to get into this industry and they don't really know that how to get it started. So they do have, they've saved up some funds or they're going to go ahead and, and get a loan to purchase. The difficulty I see there is their purchase price and what they value it versus what somebody yeah. who's been running it values it. That's the most difficult part of mergers and acquisitions is if it's yours and your baby and you've put your blood, sweat and tears into something. And if it's a, it's a specific value to you to walk away. Um, it, the question is whether or not a single person can come in and, mm-hmm. and pay you the amount that's going to make it worth your, your while to walk away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, they're out there, but it's, yeah. it's a rare, that is probably the most rare deal that I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, um, you know, I've, I've, I've often heard this is that, you know, you want to, you know, run your business like you're getting ready to sell it. Um, and as kind of just a, you know, just a, a piece of advice, but then there, there is, it, let's say someone's out there right now and they own one or two practices and they, you know, they're doing well, but they want, they do want to sell. What are, what are, what's your advice for how, what they need to do now to get themselves ready to sell? First of all, make sure your counting is in order. That is the most important part. That's what they're going to be looking at um, as, when it comes to valuation. So um, there is something that I found out through a process of a sale, which was the accrual-based accounting. If you're not doing accrual-based accounting and you know that you one day want to sell, that's going to put you in a much stronger position. 
Um, yes. And that, that's just something I learned from, from the powers that be. Uh, but making sure your accounting is in order and you can a- account for you know, all of your expenses. And then if you know that you're going to be leaning up a little bit for the sake of op- you know, showing a, a maximum and optimized profitability, uh, give yourself six and 12 months to do that, to show that how profitable you really are. I think mm-hmm. we all run our businesses in a way to make sure that we can limit tax liability as much as legal possible. Um, so, and there's a way to add some of that back in, but um, show them, show them how strong you are. And you do that by your actual operations on site between mm-hmm. inventory management, staff management, um, making sure that you, if you, I, would, I wouldn't necessarily recommend buying any sort of capital equipment or mm-hmm. big machines uh, that are ex- that's extremely expensive because they're just going to deduct that from the purchase price of your enterprise value. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would start with accounting and then go through optimizing your profitability and eliminating your expense or limiting your mm-hmm. expenses. Yeah, that's. Um that's, that's easier said than done. Um, what, 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 um, well, I mean, you've been into so many med spas and you've, you receive calls all the time from folks who are looking for, for help or, or, or just for, for you to talk to is, are there one or two things that, that, that you can kind of say mo- like most med spas that aren't optimal or performing at optimal level? Like what, what are they, what are the mistakes that they typically make? Um, I, I would start with what I mentioned before, some of your biggest purchases and expenditures related to your leases, your tenant improvements, you need to negotiate those. Those should, unless you are just in an insanely competitive market where there's, um, there's just no inventory. You should be able to have a very healthy TI budget, tenant improvement budget. So it's not all coming out of your pocket. I'm astounded at how many places I walk in and somebody signed a 10 year lease and they got maybe $50,000 of tenant improvement budget. And they were really excited about that. Um, so those are, those are mistakes that I see. And if you're just starting out, definitely take a look at that and negotiate your machines. Um, there's a lot of room for negotiation there. And then the other part, and I, I'm sad to say this, um, but it has to do with staff compensation. When you're starting out, you are a small business and you cannot afford to pay someone the way a hospital does or a large family practice clinic. And people who are coming into this industry have to understand that. And I actually pride myself on the fact that my providers make you know the top end of what anybody mm-hmm. in aesthetics makes but what I do is I invest in their training to make sure that they produce a significant amount for that income and and this is a very long answer but it's the thing that I see the most is that people overcompensate their injectors or their providers when they're just starting out and that actually keeps them from being able to grow and operate really? in a healthy manner really? so you want to I, I tend to put all of my people on salary or an mm-hmm. hourly um and then we have bonuses based upon how the whole practice does. And I have two practices right now where our bonuses almost fully equate what their monthly income is. Mm. So um, that is, it took five years to get there, but they, the providers worked with me and understood what we were growing. And um, now they definitely benefit from it. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, um, would you say that, 
you know, most med spas are, are, are overpaying or is it just the or ones that are struggling tend to be overpaying? And, and it, Cause it's provider compensation is such a difficult, it's, it's something that, that we've struggled with since I first came into the industry back in 2008. What people were asking me about compensation and how, how do I know? Like it's, it just seems like, it seems like an, it, it's an issue, um, that, 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 and, and from what you're saying, people don't even seem to know that they're that they're overcompensating they're just doing it is that, is that right yeah, they are and it's it's twofold one they either come from a, a hospital or medical background right. where they see what traditional wages are and they think they need to meet those exactly um, they want they're they're doing it from a good place in their heart where they want their employees to have a very steady income and and then there's also this whole concept of people in in the market that are saying um you know, it's I get forty five percent of what I what I produce, or forty five percent of net, and, and mm-hmm. that's what I kind of usually it has to do with the percentage. And in a quick calculation, the doctor or the physician says, "Oh, that makes sense. It's fair. They, you know, we'll split what's left over, or whatever that number is." And one, we stay away from percentages for all the obvious reasons with compliance. Two, there's so much more overhead than people realize. Mm-hmm. So they pr- promise a higher level of compensation than the practice can actually afford. And when it's when it's um, actually attached to a derm or a plastics or a medical practice, a lot of times they don't realize that their medical practice is subsidizing their aesthetic practice. That's mm-hmm. what I see very often when I, especially when I go into core locations. What do you mean by that? Like it, 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 explain that a little bit more because I, I, I feel like there's, there's a lot of, um, Again, this is not you know a lot of plastic surgeons and derms like to spend a lot of money and they they, they and they tend to and this I'm totally over generalizing and it's not just plastic surgeons but but I, I've I've seen that also so what else to, talk about that a little bit more if, if if you could like what what are some examples of things that you've seen with with some of these practices that you come in and and, and the way that they're spending. Uh, I'll use a really good example of uh, Beverly Hills area mm-hmm. location um, where the plastic what plastic surgeon was giving his injectors 50% of net. And that mm-hmm. sounds wonderful. I mean, it sounds fair. It's there's you we're going to split equally what's left over. The problem is the cost of the rent, the marketing, the front desk, the MA, all of that comes out of the physician's 50%. Mm-hmm. And if you were to, and any person in business needs to know what those costs work out to by hour, figure out your monthly cost on your rent per square foot, your, your front desk, your MA, all of that. What does that look like per hour? And when you break that down, and when I did it for this situation, I did, I had it in another state as well, breaking it down to realize that every time this injector was injecting, he was losing money um, because of the costs associated with allowing the the injectors to provide that service. So when I say that their uh, derm or their plastics practice was subsidizing, they didn't notice that because it all was coming into one big pot. But when you broke down the cost of operating the aesthetics portion of the practice, it was a net negative over the course of you know each month as I broke it down when we applied the costs associated with running that aesthetics practice. 
Yeah, so they must have been happy with that then, right? <laughs> <laughs> they were, and this is where we get into culture, um, because then you have to turn around and say, okay, how do you talk to somebody and say, I need to reduce your income? Yeah. Uh, we, they want to keep the injectors. They love the injectors. They're part of the team. It, that becomes a, a big um big yeah. challenge. And for me walking in, my, my goal is to sit down and talk with them and say, okay, my goal is not for you to make less. It's for me to teach you and have provide you the training and support that you can produce more in order to continue to make the amount of money you're making and allow it to be sustainable for the practice. And, you know, for the most part, I would say over 80% of the time, we have people who understand it when I break it down and I'm fully transparent. I even, I had one person who was such a doll, her eyes welled up with tears. She felt very guilty and offered to give some money back to the doctor. Um, <laughs> that restored my faith in humanity. Um, oh, that's nice. But, that is nice yeah. to hear. Um, yeah. And do, do you actually, cause I would, I would think what's what I'm going to right now is just, is, is literally breaking down the numbers for them to say, look, we're not trying to be, you know, we're not trying to, to, to make, put more money in my pocket. This is just the realities. Every time you go and inject, I'm, I'm losing money. Do you, do you take it that far and actually show them the numbers? I do. I do. Yep. And some people, we've had a handful, just less than, I'd say there's probably four at this point that said, nope. And they walked, they just, they were hung up on their percentage. The rest of them, when I showed them the money and showed them you know, line item for line item, what that looked like, they understood. And then what I had to do right in turn was give them the plan. This is what we need you to produce in order to allow you to keep making this amount of money and possibly even make more. I'm going to give you the plan of even if you want to make more, we're going to show you how to do it and allow the practice to continue to operate, have some profitability. And out of our profits are where we're buying all the fun stuff and sending the injectors to trainings and all of that. So um, they usually get on board with that. Oh, you make it sound so easy. That's great. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe easier said than done, but it, it, I, it's, it's become kind of my my day to day these these days, especially as I come into new practices. Well, it it, it should be how people it, it should be how people figure out compensation anyway, right? I mean, it's but it, the, the reality is that that doing it that way and breaking it down seems it seems overwhelming for people, right? They 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 feel like ah, oh, like how am I going to figure all this out? Um, how am I going to convince somebody that 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 this is what I have to pay them? There's got to be some angst amongst the owners when they hear, you know, like whether it's during one of your consults when you're consulting with them or you're getting ready to purchase and you just kind of like, look, you just like you've you've you're paying these people too much. I mean, there's it's got to be tough. It is. And, you know, initially, to keep in mind, most of the time, these are the people who have our employers and who have agreed to this compensation, they're doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They right. want to be there. They just didn't calculate in all the, the expenses that are coming out of their portion. So at first I have to explain it to them. And I've now learned that I bring the numbers with me because explaining it in concept is very different than when I put the numbers in front of them. Mm. And they do, they get a little, it's disheartening. And then and then their first response normally is they're concerned about the injector or the provider. And well, what does this mean for them? And so very rarely is, do I find myself in a position where the, the uh, 
doctors or the physicians that I'm partnering with are trying to pull as much back. They're actually the, the opposite. They're trying to figure out how to cover it. And, but for, again, for it to be scalable and sustainable, we just, we have to work, we have to fix it. And then we have to grow the practice. So everybody is, is making as much money as they need to, to make it sustainable. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's good advice. Um, I, we've been on this for over half an hour. I I do want to talk to you quick, uh, before we run out of time about, um, uh, what's going on in California um, with the law that was introduced, not the law, it's a bill that was introduced um, that, that really, I, and, and again, I, there's, it's much more complex than, than I think what we have time to get into. But um, the long and short of it is that if you're in California and you're a non-physician owner, this new bill, which is currently um, on the two-year track, so it's, 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 that's not urgent, but it is being, you know, it is there and it's ultimately going to be discussed, is uh, essentially limits what an MSO can do, a management services organization can do as far as controlling um, or running the business side of a medical spa in the state of California. And, and right now, California, you know, has a system where they've been fairly transparent in allowing business people. So non-physicians come in and help physicians or dentists or whatever it is run the business side of things. Um, This, Law, which I don't want to get into the specifics of it, but it, but the long and short of it is that it will it forces the medical provider to be in full control of all the assets and the business decisions of the of the business, and you know from a from a um, I guess from a, a, a kind of a theme perspective and 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 what the intent of it is, you could make an argument that well. We don't want business folks like Nicole. You're great. You obviously know what you're doing. Um, you, you've got a handle on the business and the industry, and you can help people make more money. But we always want to make sure that the doctor and the patient are in charge of what their, their their treatment is. And therefore, in order to do that, we can't have these big bad corporations coming in and controlling the businesses. So that's kind of the argument in favor of a law like this passing. Um, we are not in favor of this passing because I think it, it does a lot of things that are that are bad. But nevertheless, I want to talk to you about. Um, MSOs, because you uh, briefly, because you 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 utilize an MSO and you're you're familiar with the structure, um, and and how do you as a business owner, um, how do you keep the the patient care at the forefront, and how do you di- how do you distinguish between the business side of things, making money, making profits, scaling, so that you can sell at a ten times multiple? How do you keep that separate from you know what the physician and the patient need for for, for the the betterment of their of their health and well being. Does that make sense? What I'm asking. It does, and as related to this bill, I think first the whole concept that they and their argument is that MSOs will compromise patient care, right? And in pursuit of profit, right? Right. But I think anybody who is successful in business, the, there are the occasional outliers. You know, the greed is good individuals. But for the most part, anyone who is extremely successful in business knows that it's about bringing value. And so it circles back around to what we spoke about earlier about how you make decisions. And you always, if you make the decision that the patient medical care is first, then their experience, and then you take care of the staff, and then you make a decision based on profit. The decision has to figure, you have to actually address those first three things before you talk about profit. To me, that has created a highly profitable um, 
I would say, I don't want to say empire, but a highly profitable group of, of uh, medical spas that run with, with that as a mission statement, as a culture. And it also allows us to, to always know how we're making our decisions and it's putting the patient first. Not to say that physicians won't do that, but the physicians don't have to worry about what we allow them to do is we allow them to worry only about the patient. They worry about the patient and the medical care. We take care of everything else. And, um, and to me, that is a perfect marriage of talents and skills. And the, the bill is concerning to me just because what it's going to do is cause a, a medical provider to think more about administration and operations and management. And his brain may not be all the way there with his patient. And if we have uh, providers who are concerned about what's going on outside of the treatment room instead of with the patient in front of them, that's going to cause more of a compromise to care than anything an MSO is going to do. Well, there you have it. I mean, nothing else needs to be said. I think I'm just going to take this clip and we'll send it over to the folks in Sacramento (laughs) and, and there you go. (laughs) We'll be, be, I mean, it's, I I mean, I I agree with you and, and um, I, I, I've always, felt this way and you know when there, there's there is a a there is a contingent of folks in the aesthetic industry including some you know AMSPA members who who are against the the concept of a non-physician owner because they they do think that the the, the best way to ensure that a patient is going to be getting exactly what they need and when they need it is is because you're going to have um uh, physicians who are actually owning and, and because they have that responsibility to the patient. And the flip side to that is, you know, you have, and, and, and unfortunately, like we've seen this in this industry, this, you know, back in you know, the 2012, 2013, uh, or even earlier than that, there, there were some companies that were using, you know, salespeople, untrained medical people, salespeople to be the ones to sell services, med spa services to patients. And then once they sold it, the provider would come in and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah you need this. And then, they, and then they would do it. And and to me, that's kind of the concern is that um, when you have a big company who is, who, who, who does look at the numbers and looks at profits, um, you know, we have to get into that. You have the mindset that patient first, second, and third, and then we look at profits. Um, you know, I think part of my fear is that some of these these private equity funds out there maybe aren't going to be looking at it that way. Do you have that concern too? I'm sure that there are some out there that are, you know, they're accountants in in their towers and they're just going to try and, and cut numbers and related to treatment room materials and those expense lines. But I think overall, the vast majority are going to be people who understand business and patient acquisition cost is much higher than patient retention. And the way you retain patients is you take care of them and you give them good results and good outcomes. And you're not going to do that by compromising their care. So as somebody who's coming in as an equity fund and they're wanting to pump money into scale, they know just from good business Mm -hmm. and saving money, thus the profit line and profitability, delivering the best possible product is going to be best for their ultimate goals. Right. I, I really believe that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, 
Um, so one thing that, that, that you said struck me, and, and we were talking about this earlier, is um, you know part of the reason you have investors that are out there and part of the reason this bill is in place is because you have, <clears throat> in California, you have money coming in. And, and you know part of it, I think, stems from the fact that um, there, running a business is not easy, period, um, full stop. Building a business and scaling it is not easy, full stop. I think what, we're, what we've seen um, in this industry is there's, there's so much money and success being made because there's so much demand that people think it's going to be easy and they think they can just come in and run it and, 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 and there's not going to be difficulty with the, 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 the ability to actually build and run a med spa. But I've always said, and part of the reason we're seeing, you know, I think people that are getting a little bit exhausted with, 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 with this, this industry, not, not that, they're, they're tired of it. It's just an exhausting process is because it is so difficult to run and build a med spa. And I would love to, to hear your perspective about that. Like what, what how hard is it? And, and, and what, what are some things that just kind of come to mind when you, when you think about that? It's hard as hell. I mean, it is, yeah. this is a difficult industry. So uh, I, I'm glad you asked that question because there is this feeling that if you build it, they will come and, you see people who get this idea, whether they're providers or people who are looking at the industry and they think, oh, I want to be in that. And their big mountain to scale is to open. And it's yeah. about the build out, hiring the people. Yeah. And then they find they, they spend six months, nine months, a year getting to that place. And they feel like that's the finish line where that's actually the start of the race. Yeah, That's when you actually start running your business. And I get so many calls from people who find themselves in that situation um, astounded at how difficult it is. So I, I just want to, I want to encourage people because I love entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship, but you have to be prepared to do the work. It's not a nine to five. Mm. And um, if you do find yourself burning out, that's probably a good time to look at putting your ducks in a row and, and look at possibly bringing someone in to help you run it, you yeah. know, invest in and help you run it or just to turn around and sell it. Um, yeah, it's and tough. I, I do see quite a people, quite a few people who are are in the process of doing that. They'll say, "I love this business. I love what I did. Would I ever do it again?" No. Like, <laughs> yeah. So um, it's it is something. I just I want to give that that word to the wise because there there does you do hear about money flowing from you know from the skies and it, and it is it can be profitable but it's going to be a lot of work and yeah. I, I want people to be prepared for that i think it's good that's good advice it's and it's something that we talk about when we do our boot camps is that it's like this is i mean if you just think you're going to you know spend 500,000 on a nice build out and a cool brand and a website and turn it on and it's just you're going to be you know the money faucet is going to flow it's just it doesn't work that way um um what is it um, that that uh, you know as an investor and, and an owner? Um, what makes you nervous about this industry? And then also on the flip side of that, when we'll finish on a high note, well, what what makes you excited about it? Okay, you know, what makes me nervous about the industry is are some of the cowboys that are popping up all over, and they'll go to a four hour you know a general practice or a family practice physician or PA who will take a four hour allergan epic course and open the doors and start practicing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not good for business. It's not people who are not properly trained, people who are out there creating bad outcomes. Uh, That's a little scary. It's it's frustrating because if, you know, if there's a bad outcome walking around and they keep 
uh, one or two people from walking in your door just because they're questioning aesthetic services in general, a lifetime value of a patient's you know, 50 plus thousand dollars, that's going to affect your bottom line. Mm-hmm. So I do tend to, to be concerned about that. Yeah, there's there, that. Well, and, and, and just no, I, cause I, I, I corollary to that. There, there's, there's such a, there, there's such a demand for these services that there's, there, there is a, a temptation for PAs or family practice doctors or, or emergency doctors or whatever to be like, I want to do it. And, and I want to start now because there's, I have, you know, I know I've got five people who could come in for Botox tomorrow. Um, the, the, getting qualified injectors is becoming an issue, isn't it? Are you you seeing that too? Yes. Yep. I, although I tend to go a different route personally, I, I start my own injectors and I put tens of thousands of dollars into them. Mm -hmm. Um, one, it, it makes for a qualified and safe injector. And two, it builds loyalty. I don't have people popping off out of my locations for to go down the street. Uh, and they are approached regularly. They definitely let me know. They're yeah. very proud. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, and it, it is hard to find people who are qualified and ready to go. So let, let's let, but let's end on a, on a, on a positive note. What's the, like, what's, what's exciting? What, 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 what's the future hold for aesthetics that, that gets you excited? Oh gosh, this industry is so fun, especially as you see the technology coming out, technology now compared to nine years ago, Mm -hmm. we are so much more effective. We're creating non-surgical results that our our patients are very proud of and happy with. So that's fun, just the tech part, the things that we're doing that are making us more effective at our jobs and and with patient outcomes. And then the people, you you know, we are seeing, although there are, uh, there's a demand for people who are already trained. There is this influx of, of medical providers from traditional medicine who want to be here. Yeah. And what's beautiful about that is when they walk in the door and you give them the opportunity, they're so grateful to be here and so grateful to be with patients who want to be seen that they really help create a, a, a beautiful and fun and joyful culture. And to me, when it comes down to it, every business is about the people. And um, and that's the thing that's exciting me the most is watching people come in and giving them the opportunities. And they're they're just soaring with it. That's awesome. No, I, I, I agree. And, and and I think that that is that is what's exciting. And I think there's I think there's we're still at the ground floor. Like we're just we're this is just just getting started. So if you're out there looking, you know, it's a lot of hard work, but man, it's, it's, it's a fun industry to be in. What, um, if Nicole, if people want to reach you, um, or, or find out more about you, where can they go to, 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 to do that? Um, I'm just, if they want to email me, I'm Nicole at synergy or they can find me on Instagram at aesthetic dot investor. All right. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Have a great day, Alex. Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch was joined by Nicole Chiramonte, CEO of TWG Consulting Group and founder of Synergy Metastatics. If you're new with us, we would love to invite you to hit the subscribe button. Click it now so you can get MSpa content delivered to you each time. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.